Thank you, Piet. Morning, everybody. I read something very interesting the other day, and it was the story of the start of the Secret Service in America. And the Secret Service is the American Federal Law Enforcement Agency, and it was started in 1865. And it was started for one reason only, and that was to try and stop the amount of counterfeit money that was being produced in America at the time. There was so much fake money being produced in America that the Secret Service was started to try and combat this problem. And not only was the Secret Service started and having to solve the problem, but the bank tellers, the people on the ground who were working with all the cash, were taught how to recognize counterfeit notes when they felt it. And this is how it was done. For the first few days of them working in the bank, they were given wads of authentic money, real money. And they had to handle that money. They had to feel it. They had to work with it. They had to count it. And then after a week, one of the trainers would slip a counterfeit note inside all the real ones that they were dealing with. They didn't know when it was going to happen. It just came in. And because they had gotten so used to dealing with the real, when they felt that fake note, they immediately recognized it and could pull it out. And that's how the bank tellers got to help the problem of counterfeit money in America. They first had to get used to the real in order to identify the fake. I want to speak to you today on how do we recognize truth from untruth? How do we recognize counterfeit from the real in today's world? You know, we in the world today, we are bombarded with different opinions of what's right and what's wrong, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Things that shocked us 30 years ago are now completely normal in the world today. And they are even being taught as right to your children in the school curriculums. Which means that things that are shocking us today will be completely normal in 30 years' time. Isn't that scary? The gender-neutral topic is a hot topic today. And you know how couples have, when they fall pregnant, they have a gender reveal party and they call all their friends around and they either cut open a blue or a pink cake or they pop open a balloon or, and either pink confetti falls out or blue confetti falls out. But the other day I heard something so disturbing. This lady was saying, we shouldn't have a gender reveal when the baby is in your womb. We should give it to the children when they're 13 and they can decide for themselves. And then we have the gender reveal party. The things that are shocking us today will become normal in 30 years' time. And should it be this way? Maybe right and wrong should be continually changing all the time. Or should there be a standard by which we live, no matter which generation we live in? Just before Jesus was crucified, he was brought before Pilate. And I'm going to read you it. I don't have it on the screen. But I'll read you the account. 
and it says this. So uh, Jesus stands before Pilate, and Pilate says this to him, are you the king? And Jesus answers with these words. From John 18, I'm going to read from 36. So Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, says Pilate. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus says that he's come into the world to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth will listen to him. And when Pilate asked, so further down, so Jesus says this to him, and Pilate says this in verse 38, what is truth? When Pilate said that, he wasn't asking out of curiosity. He wasn't saying, what is truth? Please tell me what is truth. Pilate was saying, what is truth? Within the Roman Empire, many, many, many things were acceptable. And Pilate was saying, truth is different to everybody. What is truth? That's how he was saying it. What is truth? He wasn't really wanting to know what truth was. And Jesus says to him, I've come into the world to show people what truth is. And everyone who truly wants to know will listen to me. And in another um, part of the Bible, Jesus says, you all know this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus continually spoke those words that he was the truth. And as followers of Jesus, we get truth, we find truth from the word of God. It doesn't change over time. This is constant, and it's our anchor and our navigation through a very stormy, changing world that we're living in. As humans, we cannot be left to decide on our own what truth is. Do you know the Bible says this of our hearts? It says, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what the Bible says about my heart. And if I had to decide what is truth and what is not truth, I would base it on my feelings and I would base it on what suits me best. What is going to benefit me? What will make me happy? That is what the human heart does. So as humans, we cannot be left up to ourselves to decide what is truth. There was a time in Israel's history where they went through a very dark period. And I want to read about it in Judges 21. It's one sentence. Listen to this. It says here, Judges 21, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did as he saw fit. So everyone was deciding truth for themselves. And they called it a very dark time in Israel's history. The commentators say this in my Bible. During the time of the judges, the people of Israel experienced trouble because everyone became their own authority and acted on their own opinions of right and wrong. This produced horrendous results. Our world is similar. Individuals, groups, and societies have made themselves the final authority without reference to God. 
And when people selfishly satisfy their personal desires at all costs, everybody pays the price. When a builder wants to build a house, with you decide you want to put up wallpaper in your own home, or maybe you want to make a door frame straight, there's a tool that you use, and it's called a plumb line. And it's a very simple tool. It's a piece of string, and it's got a weight, a pointed weight at the bottom. So when you hold up the piece of string, the weight causes the string to go completely straight. And builders use a plumb line. There is a more modern tool today, but that is what they used, was this piece of string with a weight at the bottom, a plumb line. And if people used the plumb line, the door frame would be straight, the wallpaper would be straight, and you would ultimately have a straight house when you were building it. The Word of God is like a plumb line to us. If we use it to judge issues by it, there will be a straightness in our life. The world is crooked in so many ways. I don't think any of us would argue with that. There's a crookedness in the world today and society, and it's because they no longer are using the word of God as their plumb line to keep it straight. The word of God doesn't change its commands for us. We change our ideas to suit the word of God. The word of God doesn't bow to us. We bow to the word of God. This is our authority. This is our plumb line. Can we put John 17, 13 to 18 up, please? Mark, I want to read this to you now. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is what he says to them. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, my disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. Next one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Jesus does not want us to live within these four walls and just stay together as Christians. He doesn't want us to take us, he doesn't want to take us out of the world. He wants us to remain in the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means make them righteous by your truth and clean them up. I love that. This word cleans us up when we use it as a plumb line helps us in our crooked ways when our heart wants to gravitate towards things. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I want to tell you about a man who lived on the earth and who saw error in the world around him. He only saw the error because he used the word of God as his plumb line. And he, when he saw the error, he wasn't afraid to speak truth, even when it made him hugely unpopular. His name was Martin Luther. Some of you know the story, others of you might not, so I'll tell you it. 
Martin Luther was born in 1483, and he, was, he became a lawyer. But then through a series of um, things that happened in his life, which included getting struck by lightning, he decided, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I'm going to become a monk. And in those days, in the Middle Ages, at that time, the Catholic Church was pretty much dominating European civilization. They had enormous power in Europe and influence over most areas of society. And only the priests in the Catholic Church could read the word of God for two reasons. Firstly, many of the people in the Middle Ages were, were illiterate. They couldn't read. The priests could read, so they were reading the word of God. And secondly, they only had the Bible written in Latin. So even if the people could read, they couldn't understand Latin. And that is why the priests were the only ones who were reading the word of God. It wasn't available for the commoner to read. And then when Martin Luther became a monk, he started studying the Bible. He could read and he understood Latin. And he was deeply conflicted and distressed by what he saw the church doing and what he saw in the word of God. He tried to look in the word of God to see if he could justify some of the practices that were happening. And he couldn't. And it was through, oh, let me tell you this first. This is what conflicted him. He saw the priests selling forgiveness of sins, which would cost a person about half a year's wages, which the poor couldn't afford. So the poor were going into debt because they wanted salvation. And so, so they would pay the priests in order to get the piece of paper saying that they were saved but they were going into debt. And this was happening to thousands of people. And when Martin Luther started to study the plumb line, he came across a verse in Romans 1 verse 17, which said, the just shall live by faith. And it jumped out at him and God spoke to him. And he realized through many other scriptures that salvation does not come by listening to church, by obeying church rituals. And it does not come by paying a priest for the forgiveness of sins. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ, which is a grace gift. We don't need to do anything to earn it. And so Martin Luther, as some of you know, on October the 31st, 1517, he wrote out the famous 95 Thesis which was 95 things that he had found in the word of God that was not happening in the church. And he said, this is wrong, and we need to show up the error. It included things like the Bible is the only authority. It included things like all people can be priests. It's called the priesthood of believers. He was saying, all of you, can go to Jesus yourself and ask for forgiveness. You are a priest. You do not need to go through someone else. And so he highlighted all of these counterfeit errors that he saw. And also what helped him at that time, the printing press was up and running. The printing press had been invented. And so the truth that he now saw, 
he started to print out on pamphlets and it got distributed to the common people and they started to see their eyes were now opened. You can imagine there was in an enormous outcry from their religious leaders. They had been able to continue an error for many generations and now Martin Luther standing up and calling them out on it. There was an enormous outcry. They got together and they declared him an outlaw and he had to go into hiding. And you know what he did in hiding? He translated the Bible into German so that all of his countrymen who then started to learn how to read had the Bible in their own language in their hands. Isn't that incredible? And people were set free in Europe from error. And that brought in the Reformation, which is what we are living in today, which what we can celebrate in this church today was through that man seeing error because he knew the real and he wasn't afraid to speak out against it. There's a quote from Martin Luther, if you can put that up, Mark, says this, I love it. Peace, if possible, truth at all costs. One of my friends that we prayed for this morning, Candace Mitchell, over this last year, I've got to know her really well as we've worked together. And Candace Mitchell, I've discovered, loves people to like her. She's a people pleaser, like most of us. And she really loves it when she's in people's good books. But what I've seen of Candace is when she sees error, she's not afraid to confront it. I have seen her go against the flow of untruth in our community. I've seen her confront it. I've even seen it cause the cost of some of her friendships. I've seen some of her neighbors not like her because of what she said. And it's cost her being liked. Peace, if possible, but truth at all costs. This is a beautiful quote for us that Martin Luther lived by. In those days in the Middle Ages, the people were ignorant. They followed blindly because they never had this in their hands to search themselves. We are not ignorant today. We have the word of God in our hands and in your language. We have no excuse when it comes to finding out what is the truth. And the Bible speaks into all issues that we face today. It's not silent. It's not confusing. It's not old-fashioned. The Bible speaks into all issues that we face today. It's our plumb line. So back to my original story of the counterfeit money, those bank tellers that had to feel the real, feel the real, feel the real, and then they quickly identified the error, the counterfeit. If you read this often, if you are engaging with Jesus, who is truth, often, if you are familiar with this word of God, when error comes, you will quickly be able to identify it. 
when we are not familiar with the truth, we can quickly start believing error. And when error comes, it has a different feel to it. It jars against the spirit of God which lives inside of us. That's what happened to those bank tellers. They knew the feel of the real paper, and the minute they felt a fake one, something was different. They just knew it. Untruth in the world is very loud, isn't it? It's very aggressive. And it can make us feel intimidated, old-fashioned, narrow-minded. But I really want to encourage you this morning. I felt in God to encourage you to read the Word of God. Let this enable you to feel what truth is like as you read it. When we choose truth over error, it brings freedom to our lives. Jesus says the words, the truth will set you free. That is the result of staying holding, true, tr holding fast to truth, is it brings freedom in, in our lives. Even if the masses don't agree, even if it's opposite to what the world is saying, and even if that error has been legalized in our country, we need to hold firm to truth if we want freedom. But it doesn't just bring freedom. It also brings persecution. Persecution. When we hold firm to truth, it brings freedom and it brings persecution. Just like what happened to Martin Luther. And... Jesus says, protect them while they're in the world. He's prayed for you to be protected as you live out there, as you stand for truth. But let's stand um, hard and fast to truth. I want to read some passages of scripture over you. And I would love you to stand as we read it. Um, it's on the screen. And I just felt instead of just reading this, I just want to read it over you, almost like a prayer just for God to solidify um, what I've said to you. As everyone's standing, I just want to say one, one last thing to you as parents. If you still have children living in your home and you still have an influence over them, I want to really encourage you, when they come home and they have a question about an issue or a topic that is out there, something they've heard, Instead of you just saying, that's either right or that's either wrong or just giving your opinion, why don't you train your children by saying to them, let's go to the Word of God and let's see what the Word of God says about this issue. Because you are training your children to use this as a plumb line. And if you train them while they're young, as adults, they will continue to use this as a plumb line. And so it's a wonderful thing as a family to pick a topic, there's so many, and go, let's, let's scour the Word of God. Let's find out what it says about this particular thing. Don't just look at one verse. We often pick one verse that suits our feeling. Go to multiple verses. Go to multiple chapters. Go to the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
and train your children for themselves to use the word of God as a plumb line. Let them become familiar with truth so that when they encounter error, they're able to go, uh-uh, that's, that one's not good. And it'll help them stand firm. So I'm going to read a couple of verses um, to you, over you, from 2 Timothy. Paul was speaking to Timothy that he had trained up. And this was his heart for Timothy. He just wanted Timothy to stand strong in the word of God. And so he says this to Timothy. And I'll read it. It says this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying, denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, the plumb line, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Preach the word. Stand on the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I would love to pray for you. Father, I think what we are most grateful for is the word of God, which in our generation that we live in, we are able to have in our hands, Lord. We want to say thank you for that. Thank you that it's in our language. Thank you that we can read. Father, we know as a people we are without an excuse because you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we thank you for this word of God. I want to pray over us this morning, Lord, as your people, that you would give us a thirst and a hunger to read this word. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that we would not treat it as something to go to just every now and again for some comfort. 
but we would see it as a lifeline, a plumb line, in order to live in this very stormy world that we're living in, Lord. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, this morning, give us a hunger and a thirst for your word. I pray that you would raise up people that know your truth. I pray that you would raise up people that are willing to stand by your truth and not compromise. I pray that you would raise up people that are willing to speak your truth in order to bring freedom to people, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we open up our lives to you. And we ask you to do a work. We ask you to bring a change. I want to even pray, Holy Spirit, that we, we may be believing error because we've believed it for so long and we actually think it's truth. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, I want to ask for my own life that you would reveal that to us, that you would show us, Lord. You would be so involved in our lives, Holy Spirit, that you are continually showing us where we may, may be believing error and help us to be people that are people of the truth, people who follow Jesus with everything in us, Lord. Father, use us in this world, we pray. Thank you that you've given us your word, not just for ourselves, but for those out there, for those who don't know it. And I, I really pray over us as a church that you would use us, use us, Lord, to bring freedom to many people. That you would put us into the world, into situations, and we would see much fruit of your freedom touching other people, Jesus. So we thank you for your word this morning. And as Pierre prayed in the beginning, I just pray that it would bear fruit 20, 60, 80, 100 times, Lord, in our lives. Give us courage, Holy Spirit. Make us strong, Holy Spirit. We are your people. We are your children. We are the display of your glory in this world. So make us strong. You have not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but you've given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So come, Holy Spirit. I open up my own heart. In Jesus' name, amen.